Well, hello and welcome to episode 199, almost 200, of The Cool Room. I'm your host, David Griffiths. Uh, Excellent to have you all on board today. A really fun show coming up. In the second half of the show today, Mr Warren Wu and I will be sitting down for the second part of our conversation with David from Sailor's Grave Brewing. Uh, He's also from Beer Mash. Uh, If you haven't already listened to the first part of that interview in episode 198, why not go back and check that out in the archives? Uh, That bit of the show will make more sense to you uh, if you've got the the context from the previous episode and obviously if you've got the right beers in front of you as well. Uh, We're kicking off today's episode, uh, welcoming back Shane Graham to the podcast. Shane is the mastermind behind the Williamstown Beer Festival, Uh, a great bloke. We've been working together with bits and pieces over the last couple of years and uh, really excited to hear what's going to be happening at the Williamstown Beer and Cider Festival this year. Uh, I'll post some links as well to the episodes that we recorded out there last year. I think there were three episodes in total. Uh, Lots of different brewers, lots of great beers and you'll get to uh, listen to them. We're going to be out at the Williamstown Beer Festival this year as you will hear uh, doing some live broadcasts and some live interviews. We'd love it if you were able to come along and join us for that. That's going to be in November. Before then, in October, we've got a big month coming up. Thank you to everyone who subscribes to our monthly packs. That's what keeps the podcast ticking over. Uh, And there's going to be three breweries in those monthly packs. Those beers will also be available, very limited quantities, I should say, uh, from our Shopify. Just go to Cool Room Podcast Shopify. The three breweries we're going to be talking to in October. We're going to be talking to Hypocrisy about their lager. Uh, That's going to be on the same night, a double header of interviews uh, as we chat with Batch about their rebranding. Clint from Pocket Beagles might be popping into that one as well. He's the one in charge of that rebrand. Some great, iconic Sydney-based beers they are going to be on that show. Really love talking to those guys and really looking forward to being able to chat about those. Uh, and then a new brewery to the podcast, Avenge Brewing, uh, will also be in uh, in October. So hopefully you can come along to those uh, online with us, make the most of those opportunities to talk direct to the brewers uh, while you have the beers in front of you if you've ordered them from our online store. Uh, and then later in the month, we're going to be heading out to Masterson's, uh, Pete and Jill out there in Mooney Valley. Uh, really looking forward to being out there to talk to Bell's Beach Brewing. So a packed October, lots of fun things, lots of great beers. And look, while you're over in the online store, one of our annual traditions is the mixed 10-pack that we have from Weinstefan Brewing uh, all the way from Germany. Uh, Like, obviously, an iconic German brewery. We've had them on live from Germany before. We've done live shows with them in Australia before. The mixed 10-pack, $69, gets you 10 different 500ml bottles of beer from this iconic oldest brewery in the world, classic German styles. If you want to know and learn about German beers, uh, well, if you already do know, you'll know how, how important these beers are in the history of brewing. If you haven't before, then look, get that pack delivered, uh, buy it for a friend, get them out there and, uh, and get the beers cold, enjoy these great beers and listen to some of those previous podcasts we've done with Weinstefan. $10 for 
sorry, $69 for 10 beers is great value. Uh, and I really hope that you'll be able to support the podcast by grabbing either those or some of those other beers that I've mentioned. Uh, really hope that you'll be able to uh, come and join us both online and in the flesh in October. But look, so much to talk about. Let's get straight on with the first interview today, uh, talking to Shane about the Williamstown Beer Festival. And I'm joined now by Shane Graham from Willie Beer Fest. Shane, good to have you back on the show for 2023. Thanks, David. Good to see you again, mate. It's excellent to see you, mate. We had a ball out there last year. I'll put up some links uh, when we put this on Facebook to uh, to all of the episodes that were recorded out at the festival last year, but really keen to hear what's happening in 2023. But before we get any further, let's get the socials out of the way. Let's make sure that people can track down Willie Beer Fest, find out how to follow you on, on the Instagram, on the Facebook, because that's how they can track down tickets from there. Yeah, so we're pretty um, pretty easy to find uh, if you Google Willie Beer Fest, Williamstown Beer and Cider Festival, uh, Beer Festival Williamstown, you'll you'll find us. Um, in terms of Facebook, again, it's just Willie Willie Beer Fest in Facebook. You'll find us, um, and the same on um, Insta. Uh, so it's Williamstown Cider Festival, I think, based on Facebook um, and Instagram. I think it's fairly similar. I think it is, and um, as I say, you're pretty active on both of those on the, both of those formats, and um, people from there will be able to track down how to get hold of tickets because tickets are already on sale, aren't they? Yeah, they are, and uh, they're selling really well this year. Um, you know, uh, post COVID, last year was the first year post COVID, and that went really well, and this year is um, going even stronger. So our um, early bird tickets have already sold out, uh, but we're in the pre-sale. We call a pre-sale ticket at the moment, where you can get your um, First beer included with your tickets, so a bit of extra value as well. Awesome. Look, it's a really fun festival. It's got, a, I guess, a bit of a different ethos to some of the other ones that people might have been to before in terms of the kinds of breweries that turn up and the kinds of interactions you're able to have with them. So give people a bit of an idea about, well, I guess what inspired you to start the festival, but what people can expect if they come along. Yeah, so we're, uh, we try and be a little bit different, and our big point of difference, I think, uh, is that we're independent brewers only. Um, now, uh, everyone has a little bit of a different, as you know, uh, different opinion about what independent <laughs> means, but yes. um, independent to us is not owned by multinational pretty much, like a, keep it sort of simple. If, you, if, you, if you've got the Indie Beer Festival uh, or sort of independent um, brewers tick, then um, that's good enough for us. So, you know, that, that goes as small as a gypsy brewer who's um, brewing someone's brewery to the Coopers family, who are, you know, Australia's probably largest independent, independently owned um, brewery. But I think they're fast being caught by Brick Lane at the moment. So it feels that so, way, yeah, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, it does. Um, so yeah, so it's um, that's that's our little point of difference. Like you know, once the multi, nothing hopefully owned by CEB or um, the big guys, and that that kind of means that it changes every year. So sometimes some of the brewers get bought out, and some we've you've seen for a, a, a few of the festivals kind of disappear. But that's because uh, they're no longer what we class as independent. So and now of, let's start with returning friends. Who's, who's coming back to this year's festival that have been in the past and um, perhaps people that we had on the show last year when we recorded out there? Yeah, I think you probably talked to um, co-conspirators last year. They're, they're so we talk to co-conspirators everywhere. We can't get away from them. Yeah, yeah so Hop Nation, uh, Hop Nation have been a, a long-time supporter of the festival um, and they're always doing some interesting stuff. They've just redone their taproom and Footscray looks fantastic. Um, so, I haven't yeah, been out there yet. It's on my wish list. 
Yeah, it looks it looks great. Like um, it's it's fantastic. Like the um, a little hard to find, but you know it's worth worth the uh, worth the search to find that one. So yes, true, true. Uh, yes, Alt Nation's back again. Um, who else? Uh, Return Blackman's Blackman's always another good supporter of the festival. They'll be back again. Um, I think we had the, the as well. gelati beer out there last year, didn't we? That was um, yeah, it was very popular. That was one of the extra bonuses. Yeah, I think the uh, I think the frozen ginger beer from Brick Lane and the um, any of those frozen kind of things do really well on a hot day as well. So as strange as they sound, so absolutely. Well, we'll look forward to seeing them. And what about what about new friends? Who's coming along for the first time? Um, Kaiju's coming along this year, so we're, yeah, we're pretty excited about that. They're um, and they're uh, you know um, obviously been on the scene for a long time and making doing some really interesting stuff. So that'd be great. Um, Absolutely, and, legends uh, of the Melbourne Brewing scene. Yeah, that's right. Um, so uh, some new ones. The, there's a, a gypsy brewer called The Boys Brewing who's coming along. Um, Killer Sprocket making an appearance this year. Oh, um, right. Yeah, I haven't, we haven't caught up with him for a while. It's probably 18 months since they were last on the show. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, really keen to see them. Um, uh, Three Greens Brewing, who you may remember from 2019. Um, so they were kind of an emerging brewer back 2018, 19. Um, some airline pilots um, from Jetstar, I think they are, started a brewery and then during COVID kind of they had to get real jobs instead of airline jobs, so they kind of prevented <laughs> them from brewing. But, um, yeah, that's making a bit of a comeback at this year's festival, so they'll have a couple of beers um, this year, so they're kind of relaunching at, at festival. So that would be interest, interesting as well. Um, Shearer's Son, who are a, um, a country brewery from up north. Um, I don't know them at all. Yeah, it's a sort of an interesting one there. Um, they uh, they kind of uh, you know started brewing and doing country shows, so that was their um you know selling beer at country shows, which is a, a very different um story. So yeah, great little um, country brewery that's um, is doing really well. So well, that sounds like fun, and I guess to give people a bit of a flavour for sort of where it is and what happens there, you've got inside space, you've got outside space. Give people a bit of a flavour for how the day unfolds. Yeah, so it's at Seaworks again. We've been there for quite a number of years now. It's a fantastic venue. It, it's um, waterfront in Williamstown, so it's an old shipbuilding shed. So it's um, got a nice industrial feel about it, but it's been um, modernised with um, you know some modern touches like glass lift up doors and that kind of stuff in it. So it brings inside outside um, around about two thousand square metres, I think, inside, and then you know acres and acres of land outside, um, all looking over the water towards the city. So it's pretty. Um, unique and fantastic spot. We think it's um, a hidden gem of Melbourne, so we love showing it off to, to people. And a lot of people are kind of walking there for the first time. You know, they really, they go, wow, you know, this is, didn't even realise this, this was here. So it's, um, yeah, it's pretty unique. Absolutely. And that means you can sit outside in the sun. We're hoping for a sunny day this year. From memory, last year had little bits of sun, but little bits of cold, blustery weather as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't too bad last year. We, we uh, the weather gods have been kind to us. Every year we've uh, not had a drop of rain. I think at seven oh five, so literally just after <laughs> we closed last year, we got a few spots of rain. But um, yeah, it's um, yeah. Hopefully that time of year, it's it's well. The the weather people are weather gods or the weather bureau are promising a hot, dry summer. Eh? So perfect beer drinking weather, really. That's exactly right. Outside, there's there was music last year as well. We're going to have some bands back. Yeah, live music again from uh, from opening to close. So, you yeah, know, looking forward to the um, yeah, a different lineup again. So, always like to keep it new and fresh. Um, some local uh, local artists as well as some uh, yeah, some bigger ones as well. And of course, your favourite beer podcast, 
talking live to some of the brewers out at the other end of the shed. So that's on the cards again this year. Yeah, absolutely. And I, th- and I think um, the feedback we got last year was, was good. People like to hear. And we know that. We know that people like to hear the stories and, and directly from the brewers about what they're up to and what their story is and have a chance to ask them some questions. And, and you've always got good questions to ask them. So, um, yeah. That's very kind, mate. That's the Mutual Admiration <laughs> Society is, uh, is That's well it. <laughs> here. But genuinely, we had a ball out there last year. Um, would highly encourage people to, to get along and be part of it again this year. Um, tell people what the tickets cost and what they, again, what they get for that, because it's, um, in terms of the access that you get to the brewers, it's not like some of those enormous festivals where you're stuck in a line of 5,000 people and you're up to the front and then you're turned away as soon as you've got your little snifter of beer. Is it? It's, uh, it's a much more interactive and genuine process than that. No, that's right. And, um, you know, the feedback we get year on year from the, from the brewers and the patrons is exactly that. It's different to a lot of beer festivals, which, which we like, you know. Um, it's great fun, which a lot of festivals are, but also the, um, you get a, you get a real opportunity to, um, have a dialogue with a brewer about, you know, beer or cider or whatever, you know, whatever your chosen drink is. Um, so you can, you know, ask some questions, um, get some advice, try different styles, um, and not feel like that, you know, there's a queue of a hundred people behind you that kind of pushing out of the way going, I just want a beer, mate, get out of my way. So. Absolutely. And, and a few unknown breweries, there are a few lesser known breweries, I should probably say. Uh, so a real yeah. opportunity for people who like to discover the new things in the beer scene. Um, you'll find them there with easy access. Yeah. And there's, um, you know, the, so uh, tickets, $35 um, for adults, uh, kids are free. It, uh, we try, you know, we do promote family friendly environment as well. So there's activities for kids. Um, so you can you know, bring the kids along. Um, there'll be things for them to do. Uh, stack of food trucks again this year. Anything from American barbecue to Indian curries, I think, this year. Um, and plus some, some of the regular ones that are always there that are part of our crew. Um, so, again, you know, and detail, I'm a details guy, and, and even down to the food we love, you know, we, we try and match the food with, you know, the festival and also um, the right kind of operators that can uh, deliver a quality product on the day. So it just adds to the whole atmosphere and enjoyment of the festival. And what time the doors opening? Because it's one of those ones that you do want to get there when the doors open because you're not there until midnight, are you? So there's a no, family kind no. of timing. Short time, but a good time, some would say. But, yeah, 12, <laughs> 12 p.m. till 7. Um, and, yeah, last year um, uh, the crew were pretty much there from 12 till 7. So that was, um, exactly it was, right. yeah, it was great fun. So I think that's a good indicator that we're doing the right thing when uh, you don't have people leaving before and we have to ask them to go at 7. So. Did right. Look, Shane, really looking forward to it. We'll post some links there, particularly in our Facebook and on our Insta about how people can track those tickets down. Uh, as you say, tickets already selling, pre-sales all sold out, um, as in the early birds are all sold out. Now into this next phase of sales. We know beer festivals across the country are selling out, so if you're listening and keen to be a part of it, jump on, and you'll get to see Shane standing there at the front, and you'll get to see me standing there at the back. So what more could you want on a Saturday out? Yeah, keep an eye out for, um, we've got a, a few uh, great competitions coming up too with our partner brewer, Urban Alley. So Urban Alley, our partner brewer this year. Um, and yeah, we've got some some great vouchers to give away, some beer um, and some other stuff. It'll be, um, have a bit of fun with them as well. So, Well, we love the Urban Alleys. I was drinking an Alley Dangler yesterday. So it's yeah, a great time to hear if you're not They're sure. making a special beer, special beer for us this year too, a festival too. And there'll be a competition coming out this week to uh, to name that beer. So. 
Well, that is definitely something to look out for. We'll, uh, we'll look forward to seeing you on the day. And look, it's a really fun, just genuine, easygoing uh, opportunity to catch up with some brewers in the flesh. Thoroughly, thoroughly recommend it. Thanks for your time today, Shane. Thanks, Liam. Always a pleasure, mate. Well, here we are. We're back now in episode 199 of The Cool Room. Go back and check out episode 198 if you haven't already. That way you can make sure that you have not only the right beers in your hand for this part of the episode, but also that you uh, that you get all the jokes we're going to be making about a cow in Orbost, about all the things we chatted about during the break between the two shows, about Warren Wu returning to his old ways of turning up late, but look, part of what we want to really continue on with here is hearing the story of Sailor's Grave and hearing the stories behind their beers. Um, I was given a couple of options by David of which beer to finish up on, and this was just the one that stood out for me. Mm. Uh, a great sort of embodiment, again, of what we've been talking about, about doing you know, styles of beer <clears throat> with Indigenous ingredients, ingredients which are very Australian uh, and that devote a different type of flavour to what we're going to be experiencing. And here we are with Law of the Tongue, a great beer with a great story behind it. Mr Warren Wu, are you ready? to? I can see you're taking a sip. I've done my old trick there. Are you ready to talk about this beer, my friend? Yeah, I'd love to talk about this. Well, we're just I'm going to not talk about so much as ask David Clark. Please do. About the beer. Um, this is this beer is, is really cool. It's a fan favourite. Mm. This is the one of the beers, like because we've got a pretty prolific kind of back catalogue of you know weird, wonderful, unique beers that people kind of connect to. This is one of the beers that people come up to me and go, "Oh yeah, I know Sailor's Grave. I've had the whale beer." I'm like, "Yeah, we have a whale in our brand," but they're always referring to the whale beer as Laura for Tongue. Uh, the whale on the on the beer can for everyone playing at home mm-hmm. uh, is Old Tom, who uh, kind of like a folklore um, whale that essentially um, uh, was this whale off the kind of like New South Wales coast that uh, this orca that essentially helps whale farmers whale whale what's whale the term farmers? whale whale poachers. Mm-hmm. How do we want to refer to them? Hunters? Are they yeah, people who yeah. killed whales? Let's stick with farmers. I think farmers <laughs> is correct. <laughs> uh, would essentially kind of like be the guide that would help them, you know, farm the, the other whales. I'm going to roll with this now. Yeah, yeah, do it. <laughs> and this, this, this orca would essentially follow them and they would feed them the tongue uh, of, of the other whales. That was kind of how it worked out. Uh, through Indigenous folklore and through, uh, I guess, European settler folklore and stories. This is kind of like where that came from. Uh, pretty sure one of Gab's, Gab and Chris's kids uh, had some kind of connection with the, the tale of this story as well. Uh, I have to get back to you on that one there. Uh, but it's really cool. Uh, essentially, uh, a stout using... Sea salt uh, uh, using oysters. Uh, I guess the main thing with this beer is the oysters are coming from Wapengo Rocks Oyster Farm, which is off the coast of New South Wales, Australia's most sustainable oyster farm. Uh, and the idea of using these oysters is obviously the, the sustainability, the real true taste of the ocean, and bringing that 
as a collaboration into a stout. So you kind of, you end up with those kind of like elements of umami. You end up with the real elements of salt and sea salt. You're not talking about like harvested sea salt. You're talking about real mm. brew tastes of, of the ocean. And then that's kind of like, it's really cool because it's kind of brightened up by using citrus in there as well, which kind of like really brightens up that, the salinity, I guess, of the beer, which is really, really, really cool and really interesting. It's almost like a, a stout that you can kind of drink through summer because of those. It doesn't. Yeah, there's a big claim. That's the kind of thing that gets the ears pricked up in the cool room. That's it. Well, essentially, it doesn't have, you know, a, a lot of stouts have got a lot of heavy weight to them. They're kind of, you sit on the couch, you sink into, you sink into the, couch and drink your stout you're or you're talking about like a big thick heavy bodied kind of oatmeal stout uh or you uh things like that you know so what i really like about this is it is a bright even though it's like it's got a bit of weight it's got a little bit of booze to it it's got that real smoky kind of characteristic to it it's still really really bright and i think that that, that's where the salinity and the citrus kind of really really help with this beer uh, and again, going back to what we were talking about before with malts, uh, not always being the highlight showcase of the beer. If you stick your nose in this beer, you will get huge <clears throat> elements of smoky kind of bacon kind of complexity. Mm. And that's smoked malts, essentially. Uh, Beechworth, I believe, is the where the malts are coming from. And yeah, just it's, it's a whole kind of array of different kind of flavors and complexities. There's like, you know, secondary and tertiary kind of components to this beer. Is there there a touchstone or a traditional uh, style that this beer has drawn its... its, Like as far as like a... Maybe someone else can answer that. I actually don't know. Um, There's a lot of breweries that have made oyster ghosts and I've never really stopped and kind of wondered why people... Yeah, why they have oyster ghosts. Yeah, we're brewing a beer. Let's just grab this mollusk and dump it in the whirlpool and see what happens yeah maybe uh i never stopped and thought about that someone got an answer we'll see what happens it's amazing in the cool room on a thursday night people come up with these things or they research them so we'll we'll find out as we go along on that front what people what people know about the background um how important is the stories in when you're when you're going around and visiting all the the different venues, um, David Clark, the stories that that you you kind of have um, with each one of these beers, yeah. What what weight do, do you think that that provides to your to kind of you getting people to to purchase them and try them? For us, it's it's you know uh, it's about connecting to community and communities and helping like you know retell people's stories and that's kind of where i think like like i think that's like when we're coming up with like a beer that's where a lot of the inspiration kind of comes from it's not a lot of the time it's not let's make this style of beer it is a whole bunch of ingredients will kind of come out in front of you and then you're like how do we make this into a beer so for example like uh on our social media, for example, somebody might message us and say, hey, we've got a whole bunch of this ingredient, this ingredient, this ingredient. Do you guys want them? Can you turn them into a beer? And then we'll all sit down and have a discussion and go, yeah, that's a good idea. Or we'll 
you know, like read about something or hear about something that's really kind of cool and unique that somebody might be doing, not within the beer industry, but just within like, I guess, uh, you know, whether it's agricultural or something like that. And that's where like a lot of inspiration kind of comes in. And then it's like, well, how do we turn this beer into a multidimensional product? It's not just a beer. It's, you know, there's a story. There's even, even when it comes down to like the concept of the artwork, like, and the, 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 the design prompt that we kind of throw out to our artist, Joe, uh, who he's over in the UK, um, essentially like he'll get fed, we'll feed him a whole bunch of these, you know, really cool, unique stories. And he'll somehow absolutely nail that in this kind of like wonky cartoony mm. kind of artwork. And that's kind of, how, that's kind of how our beers come together. And that's kind of, that's what makes selling them so interesting and unique. And it is really, it, it is really important to try to, connect with them as well from, from our point of view, because we want the people that are selling our beers. Cause like, you know, our beers go out to hundreds of retailers and bars and bottle shops and things like that. It is really important for them to understand our beers mm. and, you know, have an opportunity at least if the consumer wants to have a, you know, learn more about the beer and connect to the beer. Cause I think, I don't know, it's really cool to kind of have a, a brand where we get to, enhance those kind of factors i guess which yeah. is really um you spoke about joe who's in the uk and yeah. uh the the creativity there um and it kind of ties into to how you were discussing uh, your beer concept um while you were on speakerphone in the car cruising around melbourne um what what's what sort of inputs do you have in terms of uh the can art and and uh mm. And yeah, what what where, where does your input come in? Where does most of the creative ideas appear and disappear? I suppose it's just getting a sense of that that um, the juice of it. Being being such a small business, uh, we can all be involved in that conversation. Uh, essentially, Gavin Chris created this from you know scratch mm-hmm. uh, just seven years ago. We had our seventh birthday, uh, and they've done that for so long. And then they've kind of they bought a handful of us of other people that admire them as much as we admire each other uh, into the business to kind of work together, which is really, really nice because the whole business is based around collaboration. And we're at this really beautiful point now where we can all sit down together and all spit all those ideas and come out with a a conclusion an answer and a beer ultimately usually pretty fast. Um, You know, one person will lean heavily over on one, but essentially we'll all kind of equally have as much input uh, on concepts, on art. Um, you know, one person will lean in with like, you know, more direct. So for example, like Chris and David will definitely lean in heavily on the the brewing side of things and the, the reality of the final products. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gab is absolutely amazing. She will essentially do everything. Uh, she's like one of those people that is has she wears more hats than anyone else essentially and will creatively come up with so much really really fast as well one of those people that can you know you can say three words and she'll like have a complete design prospect in front of you or like a real 
eccentric, crazy idea that you're just like, oh my God, that is going to be amazing when that becomes a reality. And it's really beautiful being able to see, you know, be part of that process and then see that uh, enjoyed and spoken about and watching people really, really embracing that uh, all around the country and, you know, occasionally overseas with this, with Sailor's Grave. It's, it's really special. Is there a particular can art that stands out to you? Like, is there sort of something from the past that, you know, was one of those ones that you looked at or, you know, again, in your personal journey with the brewery before you actually got there? Is there sort of, you know, something you go, yeah, I, I, I get the shtick, I like it. Yeah, I actually can't remember the name of the beer. It might come to me in a sec, but there is a beer. Uh, what was it? Ah, oh, no. It was a farmhouse beer and it had uh, a man and a woman on the front. Uh, one of them was holding a pitchfork, standing in front of a barn. I really can't remember the name of the beer. Uh, a, a trope on the Whistler's. Is it Whistler? Oh, it's American Gothic, I think, is the... Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, it was the American Gothic thing. Because um, I remember we we had it at Bar SK many, many years ago. And I guess that beer kind of, like, kind of, like, encapsulated the fact that it is two people, like, you know, uh, a duo that are essentially behind everything. And that's really special. Uh, maybe I'm getting a bit soppy about the people behind the brand. But that, that's, oh, that, that kind of, like, encapsulated... That kind of encapsulates us. It also encapsulates the fact that the fact that they are a regional, we are a regional brewery, uh, and you know, farming and agriculture is very heavily inspired and behind almost every single one of our beers. And also, you know, it is a husband wife, uh, you know, team that are you know equally responsible for everything that the brewery outputs. And you you can't keep a cow unless someone's got a pitchfork to get the hay out of the bale. That's a, it's, even I know that as a city slicker. Um, uh, Mr. Warren Wu, why don't you ask our traditional cool room question, and then we've got a couple of audience questions lined up. We've probably got time for a little bit more. As I hear my strange English setter opening the back door and running outside to bark at the bats again. So for people in the Zoom room, I'm just going to disappear for 30 seconds. All right, so the traditional core... Oh, this will be good. David, I reckon you'll be right into this. What's the strangest, weirdest, dirtiest, smelliest, most explosive thing you've ever seen in a cool room? And, of course, in a cool room, we're, we're quite broad with the definition of a cool room, so any hospitality or brewing or whatever type of hospitality and venue? Uh, definitely... Oh, I don't have anything, like, really, really... Really dirty and juicy, but oh, I don't believe you. Definitely, definitely pieces of citrus that are more than twelve months old, because citrus sits in a cool room, right? And yeah. and the, the reason it's refrigerated is it lasts longer. Uh-huh. Uh, I found citrus from another bar that had been closed, that shared a cool room that had been closed for a little while because of lockdown, and this piece of citrus had arms and legs, and it was just sitting there waving at me. <laughs> That's how, that's how it was so dead and had become so alive again that it was waving and it was like, hey, it's time to get me out of here. It was absolutely revolting. Oh, I, I don't have a joke. I don't have a, a really juicy one. I'm sorry. I wish oh. I could. We're mildly disappointed. 
Yeah, I, I only got into the hospitality kind of thing like pretty late. So I kind of didn't yeah. really have, uh, I, didn't, I didn't work at all the shitty bars, you know, like I didn't work at the places that have got like, you know, body parts and stuff stored in their cool rooms. Yeah, oh, you know about them too. Anyway, we can't mention them. We've been told by the lawyers that that's... Yeah, we're not allowed to mention the... You were in the... You saying that you came out of that sort of music sort of industry and some of the creative... Surely must be... We had a good band story last week about, you know, the guys from Seeker sharing the fact that they got stuck in Manila for a week after a couple of heavy beers. You know, it was sort of... You know, while while they were playing flamenco music, I mean, goodness me, that was a story. Go back and check out those episodes if you haven't already. Anything from sort of your music sort of days? Uh, uh, it's so long ago that it's all, it's all, I've kind of like locked that book up and closed the door. Um, I, I hear you. I understand you've got lawyers as well. And they're yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and um, also that fine line between like, is it okay to tell the story or not? Yeah, no, it's uh, for in this, in this situation. We, yeah. we get it, and we can see for people in the Zoom room, everyone can see the lawyers standing behind you in the room, tapping you on the shoulder. For people listening to the podcast, they may not be able to get that visual, but we understand that you've, yeah, uh, you've uh, received the advice, and we don't want you to act uh, act not in accordance with that advice. Buy me a beer at a pub next time you see me, and when there's no microphone, we'll have a chat. Awesome. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And And it's good to know that uh, what what you find in the cool room stays in the cool room with David Clark. Everyone out there who's looking for someone <laughs> to help with their with their independent business, who, who who wants someone that's trustworthy and not that the rest of our guests haven't been, but you know, <laughs> yeah, I think that is the pretty clear implication. But let's let's move on past that. We've got a couple of audience questions. Time for a couple more. We're going to kick off, though, with Shana. Shana, I know you said I could ask this one, but let's have you ask your question. Let's have an unmute and um, learn more about container bars. Oh, it's a simple question, and I could probably even Google half of it. Um, I'll have the answer then. (laughs) For those people that can't make it all the way to Orbos because it is a trek, uh, there has been a container bar in Lake Entrance and then more recently in Minion. Yep. Would any of those be making a reappearance in the coming months? Yeah, so Minion is actually a permanent bar. Uh, and so Minion's only like an hour and a half. If you're coming from Melbourne, it's an hour and a half. And it's actually a really lovely drive. I, I was out there last week. Uh, it's really nice. Uh, we, we share the space with Truly, uh, who essentially are have got like a whole bunch of um, amazing produce from, from the whole region uh, as well as showcasing their Italian heritage through the, through their space as well. Uh, But yeah, there is a sailor's grave bar there where you can get all the sailor's grave beers. You can have a beer on tap there. You can also buy takeaway. There's a bottle shop there where you can get other local producers, whether it's cheese, meats, wines, uh, Especially recommend uh, there's a specific buffalo cheese there, which is absolutely off the hook. I, every single time I'm there, I have to leave with about you know 20 bucks worth of cheese. Uh, so yeah, Minion is is set up all year round at Town Square. Uh, it's a really cool. It's a really really small town, but it's also kind of like it's that hour and a half from Melbourne, kind of like what Castlemaine is, except in the Gippsland region. Uh, a lot of creatives out that way. There's a lot of really cool winemakers uh, that are 
out there as well because it's just that it's still accessible to Melbourne, which is kind of cool. Um, the Melacuda Bar, I believe, will be kicking off very, very soon as well as spring. Ah. This is if, if spring is here or if uh, we've, got, we've got the fake spring happening, but that will be kicking off in the next couple of weeks as well. Okay. I didn't didn't know that the Menian one was 100% permanent, was trying to find that answer. And for people that only want to drive an hour and a half but feel like they want to still be in the country, you also get to sit on a hay bale. It's pretty cool. Like, totally it's a... <laughs> um, if you take your own pitchfork, then you could break up the hay bale and feed it to cows. Or the cow, the one cow. Uh, no cows in Menian. Lots of, there's actually lots of koalas. I actually saw my first, first koala in the wild a couple of weeks ago out in Menian. Which was pretty cool. It's really cool, yeah. It was sitting at the bar drinking one of our beers. It was amazing. <laughs> uh, this is the kind of thing I love it when our we're talking about, you know, we just continue those stereotypes for our overseas listeners that everything is kangaroos and koalas and you can't walk down the street without a drop bear falling out of a tree on you. Mm-hmm. Makes me think uh, maybe I need to put this to the Sailor's Grave team, maybe a eucalypt beer. For oh, no, yeah, as a wine person, that's like terrible idea yeah no, there's been some sugar gum ones haven't there i think there's actually been some quite nice versions of that really? yeah i'm pretty sure i think moondog did one back in the day like strawberry gum yeah exactly sorry yeah strawberry gum not sugar gum yep mm. uh move on with audience questions Mr. Yeah, let's keep on going. yeah i don't know i uh, you were the one who was, oh, I was doing that wasn't I? sorry you're absolutely right yeah. we're getting back to one of my favorite topics in the world and that's apostrophes my college song mentions apostrophes by name nothing makes me happier than to get back to an apostrophe conversation mm-hmm. nothing makes me happier than someone else asking that and jane you've got an apostrophe question for us i do david clark i'm very much hoping that you can answer this because i was thinking that the missing apostrophe in Sailor's Grave beca- was because it was some poetic thing, you know, I came upon some Sailor's Grave, but as in, you know, a bunch of sailors looking grave. But you've already said that there was a Sailor's Grave, which, like, begs the question, why no apostrophe? That's a great question. It's uh, a question I can't answer. Damn it! <laughs> I, I need to come up with a good reason. Um do you know what? It's, I'm I'm a, I'm a stickler for, for grammar. Uh, love spelling, uh, even though I can't spell my own name, as we discussed at the start <laughs> of the podcast. Um, it's just an endearing factor now. I, I, there's no reason for or not for it, to, or like against it. Uh, but when I, I, I saw it at a venue recently with the apostrophe, and I'm like, no, 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 that's not yeah, how. Yeah, it doesn't it. seem right, does it? Yeah. Surely, it's, surely it's got to do with the fact that the whole area is the sailor's grave. Yeah. That sailors who go down there, you oh, know, yeah. shipwreck and things like that. And the... Look, I, I used to also argue the same thing as well. And then I was like, you know what, that's how it is. And then that's just, that's it. Like, don't question it, just leave it. Yeah, <laughs> even Google takes liberties and pops, if you look for sailor's grave, it will tell you how to get to sailor with an apostrophe S. Oh, really? Mm. I reckon that's someone at the brewery who got a little bit excited when typing it and... <laughs> Somebody got a bit pedantic, you mean? Yeah, yeah, well, maybe. Uh, look, uh, to answer your question, I need to come up with a really good answer as to why. I need to come up with, like, a really good, smart-ass, clever yeah, answer. You do. 
for when somebody asks that question because sure it should be one way but you know whatever yeah it's endearing i think that's enough yeah like the last honestly like asked that question ended up in the sailor's grave <laughs> Honestly, yeah, it is. It's just an endearing thing. That's, that's and industry friend Clint has uh, just mentioned in the chat. I removed the hyphen from co-conspirators just cause. So blame the designer. Yeah, and to this day, Clint, can I say that confuses me when I type <laughs> co-conspirators as to whether I'm. I I literally have to look up their website to double check every time whether there should be a hyphen in there or not. Or did you like the number of movie titles? I was without where a question where the title's a question, but it doesn't have a question mark. Dude, where's um, my car? Dude, where's my car? Well, for the perfect example, um, yeah, it's it's a thing. Not punctuating correctly. Um, I mean, I, there's a couple of breweries that have asked me to like uh, do spell checks on the back of their cans, and I'm not the world's best speller, but. I, I pointed out the problems over the years, so they've asked me to, to check up on them. And I've definitely found things before they've gone to print. Uh, g'day, Mark. Yeah, <laughs> g'day, g'day, Burnley. Listen into episode 200 for more on spell checks. Uh, and I've definitely still missed things. And I've also... I've never stopped... I've never... I've got so used to Sailor's Grave being written like that yeah. that... As, as, as to add to like what James said before, it is kind of endearing. Like I, I can't imagine it any other way now. So I'm, I've accepted it for some reason. Excellent. Look, it's, it's our title. It's just a yeah. Our, our name. We we started out our visit from you uh, in the cool room here in episode 198, discussing weird ways of spelling things. It feels like we're closing out episode 199 on a on a similar basis, David really want to get all of the socials of all the things you're involved in so that people can hunt them down. We know that Clint is lurking in the back of the Zoom room, making sure you do the pause one as well. So let's go through all the things you're involved in and let's make sure that people can keep up with all of the social news that you are, that you produce. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, Clint's predominantly responsible for most of it, so maybe <laughs> let him do it. Uh, so Sailor's Grave, uh, I'm going to guess Instagram forwards. Everyone knows how to use social media. Uh Check out Sailor's Grave. When, during, during lockdown, they're one of the only breweries that I've recommended people actually follow because there's, like, some really, really endearing content. It's not just business. There is genuine, beautiful content. Uh, sometimes there's stories of, like, the guys out there foraging with the kids and then three weeks, four weeks later, you see a, a beer with that foraged ingredient. On, like, that's really cool. Like, that's wholesome, genuine stuff. Uh, that's what I used to love telling people about before I worked for the brand. And that's part of the reason I'm, I'm here involved in the brand. Uh, pause cocktails. Uh, everyone knows how to find that. Does that yeah. have enduring content? That's got, uh, I've got a t-shirt yeah. that says enduring content. Can I say? Uh, <laughs> Clint, Clint pocket beagles is very much behind all of that. So it's, it's silly. It's funny. I'm sure it's endearing. Oh, just quickly grammar. I haven't followed it yet. So, uh, I'm not sure what's going on there yet. P-O-U-R-S as opposed to all the other ways that words could be. P-A-W-S. It's, uh, it's a very, very... What's it, what is it? A homonym. Hmm. Lots of pausing. Excellent. 
It was a name that came, I think it was a name that came to one of us at like 4am one morning. It was like, that's, that's the name. It's almost, it's perfect. Oh, who's the other person? Just very quickly on that finishing note before David Cook. I was going to go to Beer Mesh, but yes, to go on. Uh, the other person is Ash Cloud. Uh, he is behind, he's worked with a whole bunch of amazing uh, cocktail bars and venues around the country. He was involved in Above Board. Uh, he's currently involved. Oh, yeah. Is that where there was the mystery line, just out of interest? Yeah, that that was actually the base of the original Paws recipe. (laughs) With him waving. (laughs) Uh, Involved in a whole bunch of other, like, high-end places. Uh, And then also Caitlin Coether, who is uh, involved in in all the fermentation stuff, uh, which is, like, part of our kind of kombucha side of the the seltzer, which is, like, using, like, whole ingredients. She's off to work at, uh, is it NOLA? Oh, wow. Soon? Yeah. yeah. If anyone, anyone's watching The Bear at the moment. We are. Oh, yes. Clint's Warren and I are great. watching The Bear and making the omelette. No, I've watched The Bear, made the omelette, and also moved on with my life now. Uh, no ma. Thanks. No ma. Sorry. Uh, yeah, so Ash and, and Caitlin are behind all the recipes and working on all the, the, the research behind that. Uh, the whole idea is to use whole Australian ingredients, no additives, no flavors, no fake flavors, no sugars, no, you know, none of that stuff. It's literally just like using like a fermented lemongrass kombucha, uh, native river mint, a little splash of rum, and then some like hopped seltzer. So trying to make interesting cocktails, but also using a, uh, I guess the inspiration from the fact that most seltzers are shit. Oh, that, yeah, that does sound delicious. Yeah. It's cool. Uh, hit us up if anyone wants to try one. Uh, you can follow Pause Cocktails. <laughs> this is where I plug everything. <laughs> you can follow my cat, uh, but also, yeah, Beer Mash as well on social media. Terrific. Great. Um, always doing heaps of cool shit at Beer Mash as well. We, we can hear, brother, just how many things you're involved in, and it's fantastic that you found the time. We've been waiting for so, so long to get Sailor's Grave on the show. Excellent to have met you up in the Bendigo Beer Festival and to get you on board on the show properly so quickly. Um, oh, really, very quickly, uh, Warren's call out because he doesn't get to bars very often. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I got to Apollo in on the... Uh, on the the last couple of days, which is Andrew O'Connell's new thing. Um, thank you to Erin who took care of me while I was standing at the bar. She was working in the kitchen. Um, yeah, just a quick call out. It's a really nice venue. A lot of wankers, but they take care of you. The staff are amazing. Well, I tried to get in there and I couldn't get in. So the clue they can recognise some wankers. Very oh, quickly. you tried to get it. Yeah, you're, the, you're just the wrong type of wanker, David. <laughs> I want that on a T-shirt. That's where we're going to wrap up the episode. We've we've labelled David, this David, David Griffiths very well. David Clark, thank you so much for your time tonight. Maybe you might have a bit of time to stick around with us when we stop recording. And a big shout-out to everyone who's listening on the podcast. Remember to come and join us live in the Zoom room on a Thursday night with all of these glorious people, uh, and you get to sit around and have a chat and discuss the beers in our tasting packs. Thank you, David. We look forward to uh, continuing our chat in a few seconds' time. Thanks so much, everyone.